This episode of Disability After Dark is brought to you in part by La Petite Moor. La Petite Moor is a Hamilton, Ontario, Canada-based sex toy company operated by Haroon Sperling. A 1NB operation, they are committed to body safety, body positivity, and a gender-neutral approach to their toys. Head to petitemore.ca to check them out and be sure to use coupon code AFTERDARK for free shipping at checkout. Petitemore.ca, adult, queer, safe. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Triple Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the premier podcast shining light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. Shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello there. Thank you so much for coming to a brand new episode and clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the premier podcast shining light on sex and disability, blah, blah, you know. I'm your sexy, seated, and slutty host... Andrew Gerza. Uh, this episode is was super fun and super, super sexy to record. Let me tell you all about it right now. Alright, so usually when I record this podcast, I do it from Skype and I do it from remotely because that's super accessible for me and way easier than having somebody in my home studio. But once or twice... As you've heard with Davey Wavy, I have people in the studio. And for this episode, I contacted a friend of mine via Facebook who who I really wanted to have on the show because he is living with HIV. And I wanted to talk with him about the linkages between HIV and disability and whether or not he believed that HIV was a disability and all these things. So he was like, well, I'm going to be in Toronto on this and this day. Would you want to record then? He's from Vancouver. He is the nicest, sweetest, and most beautiful man that I've ever had sitting next to me to record anything. I was, as you can guess, the most awkward cripple in the room. I didn't know how to be calm and relaxed. This guy is such a cutie. Not to make him feel awkward as he's listening, but oh my god, he's adorable. So we just had a fun interview where we talked about the the connections between disability, HIV status, um, the way stigma is really pervasive within the queer community, and how he, as an HIV positive status person, feels around the way he's stigmatized sometimes. He talks about how he's lucky that in his experience... He isn't often stigmatized because of his HIV. Um, he also talks about how he's a go-go dancer. And at the end of the episode, he took off his shirt so we could take a picture. And I gotta tell you, he is he definitely has the body to be a go-go dancer. But I believe anybody has the body to go-go dance. But this, this gentleman was just super attractive. I can't... And part of what made him attractive also was that he was so smart about his his story and his telling about his HIV status and all the stuff he knew. And I also really wish that I had written questions out for him because I had so much more I wanted to ask him, which I didn't. Addison, I'm sorry that I didn't get to all the things I wanted to ask you. You were just too beautiful for me to actually form words. Um, so 
it was a really fun interview around the stigma and the linkages between HIV and disability, and I really hope you enjoy it. This is something that we need to talk about more. We need to discuss disability and, and chronic illness in different ways and come together to help each other, especially in already marginalized communities. So without further ado, here's my interview with Addison Reed right now on Disability After Dark. Well, hello, and we have a guest in the studio right now uh, for this episode of Disability After Dark, and I just told you about them, but I'm going to have them introduce themselves right now. All right. Uh, my name is Addison. I'm from Vancouver. Um, I am a go-go dancer there, um, as well as a bartender, um, so that keeps me pretty preoccupied. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I'm super excited you're on the show. We talked about it. We've been, been talking about this now for about a month about getting you on the show, which is awesome because, and why I wanted you on the show was because you have some, maybe some connections to disability that I want to explore with you. So before we get into all that fun stuff though, tell, tell us more about you and like your, just give me like a, give me like a, the bullet points of awesomeness of Addison. Bullet points of awesomeness. Um, okay. Um, well, I mean, first of all, I'm on the show today because uh, I am HIV positive. So uh, we we're going to talk about uh, kind of the linkages, uh, similarities um, that we share um, interacting with the gay community. Very true. Our community, um, I think the community is getting better in terms of stigma around HIV, but then there are moments where I look at our community and go, no, we're not there yet. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's there's definitely like small pockets. Like most of the people I hang out with are so educated really about HIV that it's a non-issue in my day-to-day life now. But it also depends where you are. I find that if I'm in Calgary, which is where I grew up, um, it, like you tell someone you're positive and they run away. Uh, whereas Vancouver, um, people are really informed. They understand what undetectable means. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And so, are you an HIV person that is undetectable? I am undetectable. Yes. And just if anyone's listening, being like, what does that mean? Do you want to? So basically, that means that um, there are less than forty um, copies of the virus per unit of blood, <laughs> um, which is really low. Um, when I first tested positive, I had 10 million copies per unit, so, um, which is really high, um, but that kind of happens right after initial infection. Right. Yeah. And so when you, can I, can I ask about when you, when you tested positive and what that experience was like? It was, it was interesting because I was educated enough to know all the symptoms. So um, when I seroconverted, so that's when the virus is taking over, everything essentially um i had uh like i was super sick i've never been that sick in my life i uh just insane muscle aches uh headaches sweating night sweats like just um i couldn't get out of bed i had a rash over my entire body and i just knew um so i was like oh man (laughs) like i know exactly what this is so went in and got tested but it was so early that um there's there's three different tests you can do uh, there's a rapid test, which came back negative because it was too soon. Um, and then they test for antibodies in your blood, which um, came back negative because it was too soon. I hadn't developed those yet. Yeah. Um, but then there's a third test that um, tests for the actual protein of the RNA um, that uh, came back positive. So um, they contacted me immediately, uh, went in, and uh, the next day I was already on my medication. So... So Vancouver's really good for that. I'm That's pretty good though. Yeah. To be to the next day to get like to get this scary diagnosis and the next day be like here's don't like not that it's not that there's it's you're cured by taking the meds, but to immediately be like, Don't worry, we, we here's stuff, like don't Yeah. because you hear stories of when people were diagnosed back in the day and they're like that they wouldn't be on medication for a long time. Mm-hmm. They used to wait, yeah. Yeah. So to know that like that you have options to feel you know, to feel a little bit more secure in what you're experiencing is really great. Um, 
And when, so when you knew, once you were diagnosed, were you immediately like, hey, friends, guess what? This is what's what? No, actually, I, uh, I kind of struggled with that one for a while. I kept it to myself except for people I had to tell, obviously. Right. Um, so, I mean, if you test positive for that, you tell everyone that you've been involved yeah. with. Um, and, uh, but outside of that, I didn't tell anyone for, for a long time, and I kind of really struggled with it. Um, it's like mentally, emotionally. Um, so I was kind of in a bit of a dark place. Like I, it was a weird thing where I already understood that I'd be fine, but it still really hit me. Um, like, yeah, it was just kind of like heavy and uh, I kind of struggled to get through it and I didn't really talk to anyone about it either, which I do recommend that you should. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I mean, I think there are linkages with just the experience of keeping it to yourself and not talking about it. When it comes to just just disability and, and sexuality generally, you don't, we don't have a place to talk about it openly. So a lot of this, a lot of stuff you're feeling, you don't tell other people. You just keep it in, and you don't. There's no one to talk to. And so obviously the HIV positive community is growing and growing. And there's a there's there's a I don't I don't want to say growing like it's growing because of the the virus. I mean the the community support around that is growing mm-hmm. and I think that I wish that the same types of supports would be available for individuals living with different levels of disability but before I go too much further to that big tangent that I was going to go on I want to ask you do you think do you consider your HIV status to be a disability well it's funny because you asked that about I guess a month ago when you originally asked if I could um be a guest um and initially i was like well not really i guess i like i never really thought of it that way but um i started asking other friends that are also hiv positive and uh which actually i'm really glad that i had an opportunity to ask them they've told me all their stories and some of them think yes and some of them think no (laughs) so and but i think the general consensus is it definitely was um, and I think we're heading to a point now where it isn't really as much like um, the amount it affects your life is getting smaller and smaller, yeah. uh, which is great. But the biggest thing everyone has an issue with is the stigma still with a lot of people. Yeah. So that it's not necessarily the virus that is the disability anymore, but it's what people who are uneducated about it think about the virus yeah and especially in our community where we are hyper sexualized and we we as queer men we come to expect to be hyper sexualized um to a point so when you when you're in those environments where you're like oh i'm gonna be sexual but also p.s i have hiv there's an immediate like oh okay like i've seen people i've seen friends of mine do that and then have their the the prospective partner be like, oh, all right, I'm just going to go over here and not talk to you anymore. Bye. Yeah. And it's so frustrating to watch that. But I mean, I've had the same experiences with my disability where I'll go into a, a, a sexualized space and try to be sexual and then be rebuffed because there I am, the guy in the chair trying to do just what everyone else is doing and being told um, through body language and through like lack of communication that, that I'm not really welcome there. Do you feel I mean in spaces that you that you've had experiences like that where you're not you don't quite fit in yeah I I mean I have um they're somewhat few and far between which is kind of nice but at any moment when someone is super hesitant um to uh pursue anything with me because of my status I generally just say hey like if you want to know more I'll let you know but um but like we're not gonna do this tonight because any sort of like yeah. hesitancy like I just I don't want to push anything on them. I don't um, I don't want to fuck you and then feel weird about it later. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So yeah, generally I just say hey, like if you want to know more, I'll talk to you about it right now. Um, you should go research it on your own as well, um, and then in the future, you'll be. Like maybe maybe we will, but um, but I generally I, just say no. <laughs> yeah, because then yeah. because then you spend <clears throat> you spend the the time, and I I've had similar experiences where you spend the time before the sex, b- 
babysitting them through the sex you want to have. Yes. And it's just like, no, I just, <laughs> I, I just wanted to mess around. Yeah. And now, now I'm like your teacher. Yeah. And now I'm like doing something where you should be paying me for like, <laughs> like what's going on? I just wanted to mess around and now I have to like watch yeah. you. It kill, kills the mood a little bit. Yeah. For sure. It's like, <laughs> and so I, I've spent so many, so many nights with people where you, you see it in their eyes where you're like, okay, I have to guide them through this and I don't want to. I have to guide this person through this to get what I need done. But this is really not fun anymore. So I, I've, I've stopped encounters where I'm like, I don't, I'm not here to teach you today. And if I if I if I am gonna teach you, then we should talk about it over drinks before we do this. Do you ever feel the like this annoying responsibility to be like I'm the guy with HIV that has to walk this negative person through what this means for them? Um, sometimes I guess, but I generally, if I don't feel like doing it, <laughs> I won't. I'll just be like, yeah, you should do some research, and then I'll just move on. Um, but if more often than not, I feel like just explaining it. Yeah. kind of walking through what it's like to be undetectable. And another great thing that happened just this year is the CDC um, made like a public statement that being... Two months ago, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, undetectable equals untransmittable. So that's nice to have, like, a major... <laughs> Organization <laughs> yeah. behind you. So yeah. Yeah. So it's the first time they've ever done that, which is nice, because they've known for years there's been no documented yeah. transmissions for from anyone that's undetectable so but they just needed like the they needed probably the money to do a campaign properly to get it yeah and i'm sure like it does they were probably just waiting for <laughs> yeah something to happen they probably had an allotted amount of time that they're like it doesn't seem like it in the next 20 years but <laughs> yeah um so who knows it could have been anything but it's it's nice that they've done that now yeah, totally. And I think it's so. When I and I've seen a bunch of like social media memes about it. Like, this it's really good. It's about time that we, you know, have something like this. And but I, I just think the stigma around HIV and invisible disabilities and chronic illness and sexuality in our community is just so sad that we're still dealing with like, oh, you're HIV positive. Wow, let's be scared about it. Like what's like people can have scarier things than that that are like super scary that no one that no one's worried about um you know people can have invisible stuff that can really hurt somebody and we're we're all making out and having sex nobody cares the minute you up front and, and say hey i have this somebody is like whoa i can't deal with that it's too much yeah and like how do you feel i mean you sound, it sounds like you're really well versed in basically telling people to fuck off if they don't I mean, I, I do it in usually a in a polite manner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> have you had experiences where you're like, where you haven't done it in a polite way? Um, no, I don't think, I don't think I have. Um, you're much, I mean, you're much too nice. Yeah. I mean, I can't say for sure that I won't ever, but. <laughs> because I mean, there have been moments for me where like, and I, I, in the work I do, I try to have a professional veneer of like, I'm going to be really nice to you right now. I'm going to tell you that you're being ridiculous and I'm going to walk away. But there have been moments where it's like, okay, you're giving me this blowjob and you just asked me if my dick works right now. Yeah. Really? Right at this moment? <laughs> so there have been moments where I, I am I have not been nice about it and I've been like, why would you ask me this right now? Yeah. Like, we're in the middle of the thing that we're supposed to be doing. Why are you asking me this right <laughs> now? Um, and I just think that it, the stigma is so... Just around around difference in our community, I think what I'm learning as somebody with a disability in the community doing this work is that if you are somebody if you are somebody with a disability saying like I want to have I want to be out and be queer and be proud, the community has no space for you. And so what I like with the HIV movement is that we're we're starting to build a space around that. Yeah. And I really wish that I don't know if I would consider. HIV a disability now, but in terms of like social movements, I'd like the disability community and the HIV community to like let's talk to each other because we could do a lot of stuff at parades and prides and yeah. things to make sure that we have a space. Because right now, I see a whole bunch of HIV stuff in every pride. There's like a float, there's like discussion, there's pamphlets, and around disability, there's like zero things. I'm like, wait, guys, these two things are connected. They're like, what? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and it's something I guess I've never really thought about the connection until yeah. 
until you mentioned it like about a month ago. So I've been thinking about it a lot <laughs> this month. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's there. There's. I mean, just because like there, ne- we need to talk about things that aren't like the muscle go go boy side of mm. of being queer, which is, and I love that side. Of it. Don't be wrong, that side's great, but I think that's the only side we see in the queer male community and so like we need to look at the other side of like what happens if if someone's HIV progresses where they need a wheelchair or they need supports or they need like PSWs and all these things that I already know so I, I, I also think that I my experience as a disabled man could help somebody with, with say a different level of HIV where they might need supports or they might need or it might be heading into a different type of illness. Um, and I can say, like, okay, you need support here. Let me help. Let me show you how this works. And so I think there's so much community that could come from the HIV-positive community and the disability community working together. Of course, the issue is that those people who are afraid of disability and HIV would be like, whoa, it's too much for all of us to handle. <laughs> but I think yeah. in terms of community building, um, we both of our communities haven't done enough to support each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair too. And like, there is such an emphasis in the gay or queer community on people's like physical features, yeah, um, bodies. And I, I mean, I'm a go-go boy. Like, I so you know, a little yeah. Bit. I it's it's interesting how much more I care about how I look now than I ever did before. <laughs> well, you have to do that. Yeah, so yeah, totally. But um. Yeah, it is interesting how easily it is to um, skip over mental health, really, yeah, um, and how that really affects everything. And that's like in connecting HIV with, like, seeing it as a disability. I'd say it's like the stigma and the mental health. It's yeah, dealing with um, the fact that you have a disease that's essentially at the moment incurable but who knows about the future right right um even though you can live with it easily they said i could easily live into my 90s because i'm on these great meds and (laughs) well that must have been awesome when they told you that you was like all right things are good things are all right i know they told me that i was like i'm not sure i was gonna make it that far anyway but okay (laughs) (laughs) i mean which one of us is gonna make turn 90s probably not a lot of us but yeah cool right exactly so um but yeah, so it's it's definitely looking looking good for the future, um, unless for some reason, um, and that's one thing that's I've, that I've noticed since becoming positive is I've become a lot more politically involved. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I care more about politics because really what could happen is if we had a super insanely conservative, like extra conservative um, um, government. Um, meds that I get for free right now essentially could be taken away and like per month the price that they have on the little bottle that I get for free uh, is like $4,000 so if for some reason my access to medications were to disappear be it uh, something political or a zombie apocalypse who knows Uh, (laughs) it's totally going to be the zombie apocalypse so so those of us on meds just if if it all of a sudden disappears it's because zombies yeah absolutely you know it could could happen it could totally happen (laughs) No, but I think also that's why it's, I think back to what I, what I was saying about seeing HIV as a disability. That's why I think in some spaces it's important and necessary to see it as a disability. Because once you claim HIV as a disability, you have then have access to funds allotted for the disabled community. That, yeah. Like you, I I'm not I don't remember what they have in BC, but it's similar to Ontario Disability Support, where they give you. X amount of money to live every month. Like I live on that okay. per month, and so you, once you claim, it's like a disability pension. They give you that once per month, and if your HIV is your disability, they'll give you money to cover the meds. So I think that if we could find a way to use the term disability to make sure that everybody gets the meds they need, mm-hmm. not to be cured, but to just live with it happily. Yeah, I think that I think then sure, let's call it disability. That's gonna help you get what you need. For sure. Um, 
And that's like, I, I was talking to um, some friends I have in the States, and that's one thing they're worried about because they have HIV. And yeah. um, uh, if he all of a sudden had no access to meds, like that shortens your lifespan significantly. Oh, yeah. Like if I stopped taking my meds right now, like I could be dead in 10 years. Um, but uh, I'm not going to do that, obviously. Awesome. <laughs> we need you to dance in Vancouver so you can't do that yeah <laughs> um but I mean it's really it's really I think the I mean and the linkages between disability and HIV in, in that sense that's why I think we need to come together to find a way to make sure that when we need to the term disability can be applied to these invisible or chronic illnesses not because we want to stigmatize further but because we want to find a way to use the the label of disabled to get everybody what they need mm-hmm as is required. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, really. Right? I mean, <laughs> but let's shift to something <clears throat> a little sexier than that. So, all right. Do you? So, first of all, you're a go-go dancer. That's awesome. Tell mm-hmm. me about. Just tell me about that. Um. Yeah. It's uh. It's interesting. It's something that uh, <laughs> I really didn't expect to get into, but um, I was out at a party and someone asked if I would like to, um, and I was said no initially, um, but then about five minutes later I got an email saying uh, the restaurant I worked for went bankrupt. So I was like, well, I guess I don't have a job now. I may as well make that money. Yeah. And I just moved to Vancouver about three months before. um, And it's like, it's like an expensive city to live in. So I was like, well, I need some sort of income while I'm looking for a job. So uh, my my first uh, first set I ever danced was about five days after that. Um, was super nervous getting up on that stage. I was like, uh, uh, I've never, like, I'm in a spotlight in my underwear. <laughs> like, I've, I've been there. Trust me. I've been, I've done modeling shoots. I've done shoots where, where it's like, oh my God. And, you know, typically I'm the only one in a wheelchair in the shoot. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, you guys get to look all hot. And then there's me in my chair being like, um, how do I do this? So I, I understand, like, a little bit of the stigma. Obviously, I've never danced professionally because I can't dance. It would look ridiculous. But, I understand some of the like, the fear of getting up there. Did you worry, as a go-go dancer, like what did they find out I'm positive, and is that weird? Did that was that ever something that you? Um, I don't know. It's it's there's so little <laughs> verbal interaction when you're go-go dancing that I've never really, really thought about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, most of the people that would know are people that I've talked to about it. Yeah. So, um. That, that was never a huge issue for me. Um, and I don't think, in that sense, people care as much because all they're doing is looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> Which And so what was that like when people were like, we talked about it a little bit before we hit record, but what was that like for you to all of a sudden have all these, all these men looking at you? Like, for me, that would be a dream because <laughs> it never happens. Was it weird? Was it, like, awkward? Yeah, it was definitely weird. It, it definitely um, kind of made me a lot more easy to talk to for a lot of people uh beforehand i'd go to the bar and hang out and some people would sometimes approach me and chat and hang out with some friends and that was fine uh and then all of a sudden i started go-go dancing just because i was in a spotlight like i'm the same person at the bar anyway yeah um even on the days i wasn't go-go dancing fully clothed um people recognized me and just talked to me and um yeah, it's it, it was just really interesting how it just kind of like switched. <laughs> well, because once they see you in your underwear, all of a sudden you're approachable, which I guess is cool, but also weird for you. Yeah, that's true. Um, but like another thing too, though, is like sometimes people just assume they can just like touch me all the time now. Yeah, um, which I which you know is that's just not cool anywhere. Yeah, it's it gets a little aggressive sometimes, and like sometimes I just go out, you know, you just to hang out with my friends, and I'm not working. Mm. If I'm go go dancing, like they tip me and. I get touched That's and I nice. don't really like, care that much when I'm there to work. Yeah. <laughs> but what is the, like, what is, the, are there rules around consent and dancing? Like, what's the... Do you know what? There aren't really. There not not a ton. probably should be. There probably should be. Um, most places I've ever danced, there aren't really, it's, it's very, people get very touchy-feely, I find, in any bar I've ever danced in. Yeah. Um, which... When I'm on display, usually, like, I'm, there's, uh, (laughs) 
there's like some things that are acceptable to me which are probably not acceptable to a lot of people but then there's definitely people that try and push it way yeah. too far over the line and that's when I'm like no please stop like, yeah don't. like like I'm not yeah. working in other capacities right yeah. now yeah or yeah never actually <laughs> <laughs> wasn't sure yeah <laughs> slang it out there yeah that's fair um no I've I haven't gone that route yet yet uh maybe not yet ever who knows <laughs> <laughs> so gonna segue off of that so I talked earlier about some awkward things that happened to me like when people when I was getting down with people as a disabled person do you have any funny or awkward stories about when you were trying to get with somebody and then your HIV like reared its ugly head and there it was and now you're there with your dick out trying to like okay so yep gotta talk about this now and I just wanna get off yeah um usually I try and mention it as early as possible so like when clothes are still on sometimes smart. It's smart. sometimes it's just like oh yeah oh, oh shoot I gotta like tell you about this really quick um, most often I find people like oh yeah that's great you're undetectable that's perfect that's even better than someone who thinks they're naked yeah um, but then sometimes people are like oh no like this isn't like I can't do this so and you're like okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so like, when, when that happens to me like I remember I, I many times where you'll be really upfront and really I got for me to be seen as a sexual person I have to be super aggressive which I hate doing because mm-hmm. I'm a wallflower I, I like I'm really like I like my podcast persona and my outwardly job persona much like you as a go-go dancer is aggressive and flirty and that's when I'm working. Yeah. When I'm home alone and just hanging out or wanting to be pursued, I'm shy and awkward and strange. Like, I don't... So, so there was a point to this whole story that I was telling. Um, I always feel like sometimes I don't want to be... I don't want to be the one to have to be the aggressor all the time and being out there and putting myself out there. And so sometimes I'll, I'll go out there and I'll say like, hey, I'm... I'm Andrew and I want to like suck your dick at some point, so we should talk about that. And then they'll be like, "Oh no, I can't because you're in a wheelchair." So bye. So my point was, yeah, that that was my tangent that I was trying to get back onto. Do you ever feel like when they when they outwardly reject you, or like, "Oh no, I can't"? Do you do you have that moment of like, "Wow, I feel like crap because I'm the one with this thing," and what do I like? It's my. Um. Do you know what I? I used to like initially I was it was really tough for me and it really really got to me but but I started thinking like there was a time in my life um, when I was still negative um, that I was uncomfortable with HIV like because yeah. yeah, you learn as you go um, but there was definitely I've definitely said it to someone before in my life so now it's kind of come full circle I'm like oh yeah, but it's it's all just about education, and I, I try not to hold that against someone. And as long as they're willing to make the effort to learn about it, um, I, I try not to get upset. Um, but if they have no interest in learning about it or changing their views, yeah. then I'm just like, well, you're kind of an asshole. Yeah, no, <laughs> like, I mean, they definitely are an asshole. I mean, it's just so problematic because, like, again it's really cool that you like have taken on this understanding within yourself that, that, and we talked about earlier how you're like, Oh no, no, I'll educate you. Just like, we'll talk about it. But isn't that like, for me, when I have to do that around my disability, it's fucking exhausting. Yeah. It's tired. I'll do it. If, if your dick is worthy of my time, (laughs) but if it's not, then it's like, or if you end up being an asshole about it, then I don't want to, I don't want to spend 20 minutes before before we're going to mess around to teach you. You should probably just go. Yeah, that's that's also a huge factor for me is 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 this person really worth explaining it to? Like how badly do I want to have sex with this person? How badly do I, do I need that D right now? <laughs> probably not so much. Um so I mean for like for me there there I remember I was with somebody who was HIV positive years ago and just you were talking about um how when you were negative, you said really like, you said the thing people say to you, and I remember saying to this guy like, oh, oh, you're positive. I don't know if I can, if I can do it. And he looked at me like, what? I had just, <laughs> I just accepted that you're in a wheelchair, 
what? Yeah. So like, I remember being like 22 and thinking to myself, oh no, I fucked that right up. Yeah. So like, I understand the stigma, but at this point in, I think even my development, now, now that I've educated myself as to all the things with HIV and I have friends who live with HIV and I'm very comfortable linking obviously HIV to disability, it doesn't bother me now, but I understand this, the, where the stigma comes from. It's just so sad that we're in, in this place and are discussing queerness and it's still, if you're, like I see a lot online, are you, so you're disabled, does that mean you're DDF, which is like drug and disease free? And it's like, well, what if I wasn't, what if I wasn't, yeah. what, what if, like, what if, I, what if no? <laughs> so like it's, and I get it all the time. The minute I say I'm disabled, they ask me, well, does that mean you have this? No, it just means that I have a disability. And, like, you having HIV doesn't mean you have other STDs either. No. Do you find that people make those really uneducated connections with you? Um, I don't think so. Not not that I've, like, not that they've said to my face. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but maybe, like, I can almost, like, almost see why they might think that. They're like, oh, well, he, he got that, so he clearly he <laughs> doesn't care he or must something. Just be yeah. Some, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just so, I just think it's just so interesting to me. The more and more I think about our like talking with the, through this with you, just how how closely linked these two communities are of disability and and um, like the HIV community. And I really wish that anybody who's listening who intersects maybe with both communities who wants to find a way to bring those two communities more together i.e. those of us in Vancouver or Toronto where this is being taped right now. I know you're listening because I know who you are because I'm making you listen right now. Um, <laughs> so if if anybody wants to have bigger conversations around this, we should. Um, Addison, do you have anything else hilarious that you... Any stories, any um, funny HIV moments? Um... I'm not sure. Are there funny HIV moments? Yeah, that's a good good question. I don't know. I um I don't know. I've I have a friend uh, who's also paused who actually um he got it after I did. Um but we like we constantly joke about our statuses to each other. And like it's to, to a point that like people You're listening <laughs> from the outside just to hear us talk probably think we're absolutely terrible people um which maybe we kind of are i mean that's yeah. that's fine um but uh but that's actually one thing that really helped me kind of like get through it um was him and his uh ability to just talk about it freely and um just joke about it so basically when he found out because uh a close friend of ours to hook up with me and it was before I was undetectable yet okay. and so I, I just wasn't going to have sex yeah, with anyone like until that until point I was like yeah. not a chance like I got it that's fine but like I couldn't live with myself if I gave it to someone else so um, yeah so he kind of got it out of that friend because he had told that friend that he was paused too right. it was within a month of each other too so uh, he um yeah, it was just like super open about it and joking about it. And that's really what like got me into the really like, I guess positive. It wasn't supposed to be play on words, but uh, <laughs> mindset um, and to just be okay with it and realize that I'm totally fine and I can joke about it. Um, and I live in a time where I can. Yeah, because 20 years ago. Oh my goodness. It would have been a completely different story. Um yeah. Do you feel the same way with your with your negative friends that you can make those that kind of joke and like you you can like do you can be the pause guy that's gonna make a, a joke about his status? Uh, it's it depends on the friends and usually it's just around close friends that will just make ridiculous awful jokes like yeah. change the lyrics to songs to be <laughs> about HIV. Um, Follow and, me on Twitter. I do that all the time around disability. Like, yeah. Literally, what? That's, yeah, it's like get it. Um, and sometimes it's distasteful. Um, <laughs> but sometimes HIV is distasteful and it's okay. To, yeah, like... fair enough. Um, and then sometimes I forget that I'm not with my really close friends and I do it and people get offended. Uh, <laughs> and then you, you stand there and kind of like be weird with them for a minute. Oh, sorry. 
Yeah. It was funny. It's all right. I'm allowed. You're not. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't really mind if they do. If they if they know me well enough. Yeah. I'm, yeah. It's fair game. I, I, I with my non-disabled friends, I make them make. I make them make jokes, and I make them call me cripple, and I make I like, I, I I force I don't, I don't say I force, but I gently nudge that language on them. Yeah. Because I think, it helps them to see me as a full person. And I think even, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I think that you as an HIV positive person, if somebody was like, I don't see your HIV or I don't see it as a part of you, I feel like that might be a disservice to who you are now. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it, I would think, and again, it's your experience, so tell me if I'm wrong, I would think that it has shaped who you are a little bit now. Oh, absolutely. And like, if somebody was like, I don't think you're HIV positive, you don't look like an HIV positive person. Like, I get that all the time when I take pictures of myself from the neck up. Yeah. People will see me and go, you don't look disabled at all. It's so nice. And I'm always like, well, that's, no, because I am. Yeah, that's so a could, huge part of my identity giant, right now. Like, do you not know who I, do you not know what I do? <laughs> so do you, do, you, do you ever get like, well, you don't look sick. Do you ever, is that something that you. Yeah, like I have gotten that before. And especially if like, I find like when I go back to Calgary, people like. If I tell people, they're like, what? Like, no way. Like, that's crazy. That's insane. Like, how could you possibly um, have HIV? And um, they're expecting you to look like you're like emaciated. Yeah, exactly. But in reality, like, I'm healthier now probably than I've ever been in my life. Yeah, because the HIV kind of forced you to be. (laughs) Totally. To take care of yourself. Well, it's true. Like, they recommend that you, like, work out regularly and eat healthy. And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) I guess if I (laughs) have to. Um, and then, uh, I have to, like, I have a doctor's appointment every three months. They take blood samples and they test everything because with HIV, like, more so, like, back in the day when it progressed to AIDS, yeah, like, right. there are so many things you had to look for, like, cancer and, like, pneumonia and, like, they just check everything. Yeah. Um, every three months. So, right now I'm in this, this place where I anything wrong that could happen to me even unrelated to hiv is going to be caught yeah within a three-month period <laughs> yeah so you're, i mean you're good yeah so it, there's there's that and then I, I think i just have a better outlook on life since um kind of coming to terms with it and how long ago <clears throat> since you came out with that um honestly just over a year it hasn't wow. been that long um, i didn't expect that answer yeah so congratulations um, yeah right um so yeah it would have been just trying to remember i went to victoria with um my buddy and that's kind of when it, i just was like oh no i'm fine um but i can't remember when that was now i think it was july but not this past july the one before that's a really short amount of time like i was yeah I was expecting when we were just talking about it, because I, I was thinking about it, asking you this, but I was like, no, no, he'll probably say years. He'll probably say, like, <laughs> at least five years. And then when you said just over a year, I was like, whoa, all right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean... It's pretty pretty new, but, um, yeah, I think I've, since being okay with talking about it, <laughs> um, I developed such a good group of friends that yeah. um, are super supportive, so it's... Um, yeah, it's nice to to have that, to be able to talk about it, to of course. be fine with it, and to realize that I'm in a good spot at the moment. So Good. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I, one thing I was just thinking about when we were talking, I get fetishized a lot because of my disability. Do you, as somebody with HIV, do you get, like, I've heard the term, bug chasers, I've heard the term. Mm-hmm. Like, do you get somebody who are like, wow, you're, you, you have HIV? Great, I want it. Let's fuck around. Do you know what I have? Um, Whoa. Didn't think you were gonna say yes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's interesting because I have been approached and I'm like, well, first of all, no, you don't want it. Uh, <laughs> second of all, I couldn't give it to you if I tried. <laughs> like, I, I like, and if I could, I wouldn't. Right. Uh, <laughs> like, but break like, break that down for me. Like, how does some, like, because when somebody approaches me about my disability, what I'll typically get is like, oh, you're disabled. I want to like disable you more. I want to take care of you. Or I want to like, I want to like. I want to fuck the disability out of you, or like all that, I get all that stuff. So how does that how does that fetish look when it comes to HIV? Do you know what? It's hard 
for me to even understand because HIV is never anything I wanted. No, no, no. <laughs> so, so it's hard for me to get or understand. Trust. My disability was not initially something I wanted either. <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> enough. But uh, yeah, it's just so weird. It's hard for me to wrap my brain around someone actively seeking out HIV. Yeah, like it. It doesn't. It doesn't compute. make sense to me. Mm. Um, and so I ha- I've actually been approached a couple, probably twice, I think. In the last year? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, like, I would love to get it. And I was like, why? Like, it's, it's not fun. Like, well, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, because you, your experience with HIV and their yeah. experience with HIV are going to be vastly different. Yeah. So them contracting the, the virus doesn't mean that they're going to necessarily take care of themselves or have the means to or well, exactly and like become that's... a go-go dancer at the end like, <laughs> <laughs> well, i was a go-go dancer before that but <laughs> um but no i um and it, it, it kind of scares me like if they do end up getting it what are they gonna do with it like, yeah give it to more people like and, like proliferate this idea that bacteria are cool yeah, yeah it's um yeah it's one of those things where i'm just like feel like you're a dangerous person to have around yeah you're probably um, not somebody that i should be putting it in thanks so much yeah. see you later bye <laughs> all right cool you yeah, gotta go <laughs> i'll find someone else thanks <laughs> um but are you fetishized in any other ways as, as somebody with hiv like aside from having creepy guys won't tell you that they want you to give it to them um i sometimes like it's it's something that like someone will say during sex like they'll they'll mention what? My status, yeah, it's happened. So you're okay, a wait, couple of times. Trying to picture this, you're doing it, it's happening. You're together, and then they say, uh, um, uh, something, something about a pause load. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah, and then you're just like, oh, okay. Hang on a minute, when my boner goes down. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> wow. It's so weird, like yeah. That's just I don't know how I'd feel about that. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of weird, and you're just like kind of caught off guard. You're like, okay, well, I just because you're in the middle of the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, like cool. And you're like, do I do I run in support of that? Yeah. <laughs> or do I dismount in yeah. so not support of that? I don't know. Yeah, it's like a little strange, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like at that point, I'm like, well, I mean, I'm almost there anyway. Yeah, so. All right, so sure. <laughs> just gonna ignore that comment and uh, pretend it never happened. <laughs> that I, I, I'm trying to think if there's anything if I have an equivalent story of like <laughs> people people with my disability just tend oh people always want to fuck me in my chair. They're always like, can we fuck in your chair? I'm like, well, we could, but there's a there's a fully functional bed right like what? Yeah. So they they and the, they get off on like riding me in the chair which they think is sexy and it can be if I've agreed to it yeah but if if for some reason you're into my chair more than you're into me I all of a sudden I'm like uh, uh, okay yeah maybe alright so definitely not the same thing um I had one guy be surprised that I could shoot once I was we, we were doing it and I was coming and he goes wow I didn't think you, you could come like that and I was like why and he goes oh cause you're disabled and I was like, uh, but what? <laughs> like, wouldn't this have been a question you would have asked me maybe before? Yeah, maybe, but like, I don't know. It's always weird when people have those, like, afterward those comments. Those after, like, uh, moments, and then, but then you, as the person with, like, the difference in the situation, has to sit there and go, did you just, what? <laughs> yeah, just like, huh, okay. Uh, uh, all right, thanks for sharing your views on that right then. Thanks. Um... Well, I think we had an awesome conversation. Do you have anything else that you want? Any funny stories? Any last um, thoughts? Any I don't know. I um, that's pretty much, pretty much it. I think I can't think of any like major questions. I should have, I should have been smart and written things down. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like, because I I went around and asked all my friends that are pause a whole bunch of questions. I can't even think of what I asked them right now. Of course, <laughs> of course, because. Doesn't stop when you're doing it. You're like, I, uh, I, I did, I did the work, but I forget what I said. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I feel like I haven't talked about anything else for the past couple of weeks. And so, like, what was the what was the response from like? Do you remember like asking them about their views on status? Did you get anybody that was like, HIV is definitely not a disability. It's not. Was there anybody that was adamantly against that? 
No one that was adamantly against it. Most people were like, no, I don't think so. Like, they were like, I never really think of it that way because I get to live um, mostly, like, how I would have before. But, but then we always got to talking, and I was like, well, how has it changed your life? Is there anything that's, like, super difficult? And it's mostly, mostly geared around, um, around sex, of course. Um, yeah. And people's willingness to accept the fact that they are um, HIV positive and every single person I've talked to is undetectable as well um, just because I guess I hang out with responsible with people, people. Take care of them yeah. and, and <laughs> um, but it was really interesting I, um, I do have a friend uh, in the States I was asking about his experience and he actually didn't find out he was positive until it already progressed to AIDS oh no um, and he actually had they gave him six weeks to live when they found out what but immediately put him on medications and he did end up bouncing back and he's still here six and weeks in like 2017 times um like no it was um years ago okay um, so it was in the i believe it was in the 90s all right so the, their views of it being six weeks actually would have made sense yeah and uh, so yeah but it was really interesting to hear, hear him talk about it because he it initially was very clearly a disability for him, but now he doesn't view it that way as much. Yeah, and I think, like, see, I, I think my, it's not a fear, but it is, because I get, I get tested regularly for HIV, too, and so it's something that I thought about, like, well, what if I, as a disabled person already, got HIV? Mm -hmm. I know a lot about it, I've done all the work, but, like, I'm... Concerned and curious how being somebody who's already disabled, how that, and I, I don't, I'm not expecting you to find an answer here. I'm just talking because this is something that I thought about. Like, what, like, what if one day when I get tested, they do say, okay, you, you have HIV. How would my disabled body that's already disabled react to, like, you were saying that when you got diagnosed, you, they're like, yeah, you have to go to the gym, you have to work out, you have to do all these things. Yeah. That's great. For somebody who has the ability to do that, it's, but if you're a wheelchair user and you can't do that, I wonder. I'm curious how HIV and disability would go hand in hand if they were if they were already in like one person. So again, yeah. we, I don't have an answer for that, but it is something I've thought about. Like, what if? Because I get tested regularly and I take care of all this stuff, and I'm very up on my sexual health. But I it is something that I was thinking about when we were talking. What would Andrew do if? already being disabled, already having enough trouble accessing healthcare as a disabled person, just getting tested for HIV as a disabled person is hilariously hard to hmm. do in, in Canada because most places don't have accessibility in their offices for somebody. So if you walk into a doctor's office and you say I want to get tested, you can do that because you have the ability to yeah. hop up on the table and get your... Get your get the needles, the swabs, whatever it is they're doing. You have the ability to do that. Yeah. Whereas when I roll in and say I want to get tested, they all go, "Oh, how do we help you?" Oh, Interesting. We're not, we're not sure. So, my th my my thought was, how, what would happen if my doctor said, "Okay, you're positive." Under non-disabled, non-physically disabled circumstances, I I would say, not great, but okay, this is manageable because of X Y Z. Yeah. As a disabled person, I would, as a like visibly disabled person, I would go, oh, fuck, how now do I manage this? So I think there also needs to be support for individuals who intersect as visibly, physically disabled people and those with HIV because what, what, where are their supports for a medical system that already doesn't know how to deal with them? Um, yeah. I don't have any other thoughts on that, but I'm just saying that they should. Be, uh, it's something that I thought about when we were talking. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I would just I like almost just assumed that like it, most medical facilities would be able to, but nope. yeah, nope. But I guess I don't have the experience around that to know otherwise. Most medical facilities aren't able to, and if they are, they won't. Interesting. I don't like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's so much more needs to be done. But we've talked for a while now. So, you're awesome. How do people get a hold of you to watch you dance and stare at your body? And um, yeah, or Facebook, I guess, or Instagram nice. is usually how I, how I market myself. Nice. Um, yeah, 
So, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it's Vancouver. It's I've never been Toronto yet. Come on, Toronto. I know. Uh, I know. Go go people in Toronto. You should hire him to dance. He's sitting right. <laughs> he's sitting beside me right now. He, you should hire him to dance. <laughs> um, come on, Black Eagle, Toronto. Hire him to dance. Do it. Um, all right. Well, it was an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for being so forthcoming about your story as a person living with HIV and willing to come on the show and share that. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on here. I um, Yeah, I was really excited to, to come on and just, like, kind of share that it's not really a big deal anymore. That's yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good message to have out there, so I was excited to be able to do that. Um, and hopefully someone will listen to this, and when they meet someone who is HIV positive and undetectable, they'll be like, oh, cool, that's totally fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, I mean, I, I hope it's true. Unfortunately, what will probably happen is they won't. Because the, the the stigma's pretty like that, but I hope, I hope that you're right. Yeah, it's it's one thing I try to do is just day to day try and be as open as possible, so people are like, oh, okay, no, he's he's healthy. <laughs> Unless they're like, want to give me the bug? <laughs> yeah, well, then well they're they're out of luck because I can't. <laughs> so like, I just can't believe that. The, like, I thought when I asked you that question, you'd say no. <laughs> no, I um, no, it's definitely happened. <laughs> anyway, we're going off on giant yeah. tangents here, and I could talk to you for like three more hours, but nobody wants to listen to that. So, thank you so much, Addison Reed, for coming on Disability After Dark, and we will talk to you soon. Perfect, thank you. Thanks. That was such a fun and informative interview around HIV status, around stigma. What I really liked about talking with him, and what I really found to be to be super important for me, was how much there was a connection between the way we are treated when people think that we have an illness or think that it could be something that they could catch or the way we treat somebody who is different, especially in in multi-marginalized, I like that term, I just made it up, in multi-marginalized communities uh, such as the queer and disabled community, how when you're sick, we can treat you differently. And so I appreciate that his experience was or has been pretty, pretty um, devoid of too much stigma. But he does talk about how people will be awkward with him around sex sometimes and will will want want to say certain things around his, his when they're having sex or not know how to, to handle his status. And I really appreciate that he... When I when I posed the questions around disability to him, he really thought about it and was like, wow, I, until you mentioned that HIV could be considered a disability, I never thought about it. Now, someone else is considering the linkages and maybe it will help the communities of disabled people in Vancouver and disabled people in, or disabled people in Vancouver and people living with HIV in Vancouver to come together to form a coalition or an alliance of sorts because I really think that there are many ways in which we can all connect, and I really appreciate that Addison took the time to share his story. I also found that there was a linkage between the the shame of coming out as having HIV, how he didn't tell people for a while. Um, I, I sometimes don't want to share that I have a disability sometimes, and sometimes I do, but most of the time I do, as you know. But sometimes I have felt that shame too, and so he really... I really enjoyed that linkage that linkage he made and the way he talked about how he was feeling when he was first diagnosed with HIV. I think many of us living with other types of disabilities have felt that kind of fear of coming out with that as well. And so I think there are so many linkages between the HIV positive community and the disability community that we should, as I've said I think before on, on the program, we really need to bring these two communities together. But I'm going to stop rambling and I'm going to thank my guest, Addison Reed. I'm going to post a picture of his beautifulness and my awkwardness on my social media. And thank you so much for listening and we'll be back soon with a brand new episode of Disability After Dark. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disability After Dark, the premier podcast shining light on sex and disability. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, read my blogs, book me to bring sex and disability to you, 
or you simply want to re- leave a review of the podcast, head over to www.andrewgerza.com. Also, if you're listening to this program in iTunes, please rate and review us so more people can find the show. Also, leave us a like on our brand new Facebook page at facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. Copyright Notice This program was created and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Any and all materials, including graphics, music, and audio recordings are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission.